This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Friday the 24th of March. In your squiz today, a big question's been voiced. TikTok's boss fronts US Congress. New South Wales readies for its election race. And a smelly problem. This is your squiz today. Claire, we mentioned it in yesterday's podcast and PM Anthony Albanese delivered the big announcement with the wording of the referendum question the government's proposing to create an Indigenous voice to Parliament. The idea is that it would be enshrined in Australia's constitution. So he's also unveiled the words that would go into our nation's most important document. Albanese was pretty emotional as he spoke yesterday. He said the voice proposal was a modest request to improve the lives of Indigenous Australians. The question itself is pretty simple. It just asks voters to approve the alteration to the Constitution to establish an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. As for what that alteration is, I'm going to paraphrase here, Alice. Mm -hmm. There are three points. The first one is to create a body called the voice. Uh, The second is to allow the voice to make representations to Parliament and the Commonwealth Government on matters that relate to Indigenous people. And the third is to give the Parliament power to make laws on matters relating to the voice. Yeah, and Claire, that third point is an important one because it includes things like the composition, functions, powers and procedures of the group of people who will make up this new body. But for coalition leader Peter Dutton, it is too broad. And this is one of the big issues that keeps popping up, uh, not just with the coalition, but also constitutional experts, and that is how broad the wording is. One of the High Court's jobs is to interpret the constitution, and Dutton's worry is that if the wording's too broad, it leaves anything that the voice does uh, subject to court challenges. And he says the parliament can't rectify that because the High court will come over the top of our politicians. Working group member, though, Professor Marcia Langton says that after so many Royal Commissions and inquiries, the voice is an opportunity, uh, and this is the quote, to draw a line in the sand and say that this has to change. Uh, And what she and her colleagues have recommended, she says, is the way to go. And as for what happens next, a joint parliamentary committee will consider the proposal and then MPs and senators will get their say. And that means that there is the possibility of further amendments. Parliament will vote on the referendum legislation in June and the referendum is slated to be held between October and December. Claire, it was last week when social media giant TikTok said the US government had told its Chinese owners to sell. And overnight, TikTok's boss, Shou Zichu, has appeared in front of lawmakers in Washington to try and reassure them. Yeah, and like you say, Alice, the Biden administration has already floated the possibility that if the app's Chinese owners don't sell their stake in the business, it could face a complete ban in the United States. So the platform's future in the massive US market 
market is really on the line at the moment. Mm. As for why this is happening, lawmakers are worried about the management of TikTok's data, uh, what data is collected from users and then what the company ends up doing with it. Of particular concern is whether data can be accessed by the Chinese government and whether its algorithm can be manipulated by people like their security services to influence users' views. And Claire, TikTok's tried to address those concerns with something called Project Texas. That involved moving US user data to third-party servers in America and also allowing its source code to be scrutinised by an American tech firm called Oracle. But lawmakers still need to be convinced. Independent Senator Lydia Thorpe has been in the news a lot in recent months. Last year, there were questions about her relationship with an outlawed bikey gang boss, and this year she quit the Greens party because she doesn't think the Indigenous Voice proposal goes far enough. And yesterday afternoon, she was pulled to the ground by a police officer as she attempted to crash an anti-transgender rally. That was happening outside Parliament House in Canberra, Clare. That demonstration was spearheaded by a British activist named Kelly J. Keane Minshall. She's also headlined similar protests in Melbourne. That was last weekend and that drew a crowd, including Nazi supporters. It's been in the news quite a bit this week. Mm -hmm. Video footage, though, from yesterday shows an officer taking hold of Thorpe and then she hit the deck. Uh, Ultimately, she walked away to join a pro-LGBTQ QI plus counter-protest that was happening uh, just as that anti-trans rally was happening. Yeah, she did. And she certainly made her presence known. She shouted that the anti-trans protesters were racist, homophobic and destroying people's lives. As for her clash with police, she said she was assaulted and required medical attention. The federal police say they are reviewing the incident. I know you love an election, Claire, so it's a big weekend for you. Mm -hmm. The stage is very nearly set for the New South Wales election tomorrow. Love an election, Alice. So (laughs) definitely on to this one. Uh, Premier Dominic Perrottet and the Coalition are up against Chris Minns and Team Labor. It's very tight. Certainly what the pundits say is that the numbers and the big policy issues mean that it's very hard to predict the outcome. Kate and I talked quite a bit about that on Squish Shortcuts, so get into that if you want a bit more detail on it all. Uh, We might not have a result tomorrow night, uh, particularly if the independents and the minor parties do well and win some seats because it means that the outcome would likely need negotiations to work out who will form government. As for Dominic Perrottet, he's only been in that Premier's job for 18 months, but he's seeking a historic fourth term for the Liberals and Nationals and something to keep in mind. The coalition's had 12 years in power. That has made it the longest period of conservative government in New South Wales since 1904. And another fun fact, Claire, Min's margin is just 0.1% in his seat of Coggera. He says it's been a good reminder of how hard the team has to campaign to win government. There's been more than one poo drama in Oz over the years, Claire. You might remember Brisbane's infamous poo jogger back in 2018, for example. 
But it's apparently now America's turn to deal with a public poo saga of its own. Alice, I can just imagine listeners are wondering what sort of dark turn this podcast has taken (laughs) as we're now ending the week with a poo saga. But yes, in the United States, in New York, in fact, uh, there's a serial defecator. They've been dubbed the Broadway pooper. Uh, They're targeting a legendary theatre called the Schubert Theatre. An incident made particular headlines this week. Uh, The Broadway pooper unleashed a number two (laughs) during a performance of Some Like It Hot. Uh, I won't go into any jokes about that. Um, (laughs) Attending that performance was Hillary Clinton and her daughter Chelsea. Uh, An insider from the theatre says that when the lights came on for intermission, um, there were, and I quote, and I'm sorry for quoting, um, there were two human turds in the aisle just near the famous political duo. (laughs) Yeah, there's some dispute going on about how many times it's happened there too, Claire. One source close to the show reckons it was a one-off, but another said that the house manager had told them it was the theatre's fourth stinker this year. And the Clintons apparently managed to stay on for the rest of the show, so well done to them. Friday Lights, Claire, what has made our list this week? Well, it doesn't really seem right to segue into a recipe that we're going to recommend (laughs) after that, but let's just charge on ahead. Uh, Of course, cost of living is such a big concern. I'm certainly one person that uh, is putting my things through at the supermarket and going, oh gosh, how did that get to 40 bucks? So I really took some notice of a guide to some recipes on the good food site that really has affordability and budgets in mind. And I'm going to kick off the weekend with a six ingredient Greek lamb meatloaf. I will pop the links to both of those, both the good value recipes and the meatloaf itself in our episode notes. And that wraps us up for today. But Claire, you and Kate will be back with Saturday Squiz tomorrow. Of course, it's such a great news wrap of the week. And gee, there's been some news this week. So really looking forward to getting into that with Kate. Have a great Friday. We'll be back with you again on Monday. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.